to the Mainline Podcast. I am Adam Jacquez with your regulars, Tyler Burton and Corbin Polson. Uh, but today we're joined by a returning guest in Eddie Radosevich, who uh, was kind enough to put us on the map way back in episode two. And uh, we're excited to have him on again. Eddie, welcome back to the Mainline. Fellas, what's going on? Uh, congratulations. What is this? I missed that at the beginning, like episode 200 now. So we're, we're moving on to bigger and better things. <laughs> I think we're at 80. Not yeah, yeah, that, this not is not bad. So yeah, we're, 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 we're creating businesses to sponsor our podcast just to kind of give some street cred. So like yeah, that. you know, we're working like on it. Make it till you <laughs> make it. I'm still doing that. So it, 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 there, there's no other way to do it. Well, Eddie, I know that we're crunched for tri- uh, time. National Championship game coming up, coming up here in North Carolina and Kansas. So let's just kind of dive right into it, man. Sure. Um, Oklahoma began their third week of spring practice today. And, Eddie, I just kind of want to start out asking you about the media access so far. You've had the opportunity, well, I guess multiple opportunities to uh, check out Oklahoma spring practices for upwards of, I think, 40 minutes at a time. So yeah. great access to players and coaches on the staff. How, how refreshing has it been as a media member being able to have proper access covering this team. It's crazy. I mean, it like, it, it truly is like a whole new world. In fact, uh, so we got out there, uh, the, the fourth time was on Friday of last week. And it was kind of one of those things that it was like, are you kidding? Like, we're, we're actually going to get this. And they just kind of put that out there on Friday morning. Like, Hey, yeah, you can come by if you want. Uh, and you know, so we're like having to rearrange everything for Pratt for, uh, for radio purposes in the morning. But uh, it's just been insane. It, it's complete. I won't say it's like completely night and day different, but just in terms of being out there in, in like a welcoming arena, I guess would be the, the best way to say it. Uh, it's been pretty cool. And, you know, obviously, uh, it's, it's a lot different. I mean, I, I think just the stuff that we've been able to see, uh, it's just not the stretching portions of practice that we've been used <laughs> to seeing. So, I mean, from like a video standpoint of just getting B-roll of guys, it's been incredible. Uh, you know, Brent's been awesome. Uh, the new staff's been more than welcoming and, uh, you know, it, it's just different. I, I, I don't know any other way to say it than, uh, you know, it's, it's just flat out different than what they used to have. And, you know, if you listen to any of the player interviews and stuff that we've had, uh, through the first three weeks, I mean, it, it seems like the level of buy-in right now with this Oklahoma team is, uh, kind of almost at a level that I don't know. It's like, of course you wouldn't think that it's going to be one of those things that they come in and say, yeah, we don't like the new staff or anything like that, but it's almost so over the top and so real that it can't not be genuine. And I think that that's encouraging for the Oklahoma fan base, just knowing that, uh, you know, in the first couple months of the season and they haven't been out on the practice field for more than, you know, really basically almost a month uh, or, you know, two and a half, three weeks. And really that only adds up to, you know, I think two or three practices a week. So like, less than 10 times, really, uh, there's a level of buy-in that, you know, I think is pretty encouraging and knowing what this token staff has been able to put together here, uh, you know, over the course of their careers, it's kind of exciting of, uh, you know, the unknown of what's to come, but the access has been incredible. It's been a lot of fun and, you know, I hope it continues. I don't like, that's kind of the big joke right now is like how many more times are we going to be able to go out there before the spring game? And, uh, you know, we truthfully don't need to go out there probably anymore, but I'm never going to turn down an op- opportunity to go out there because it's, you know, obviously a lot of fun. And last Friday is like, you know, it, just like from a physicality and just like a football junkie standpoint, it was like, like holy shit, like they're really tackling, like they're really getting after it yeah. today. And <laughs> that was, that was a lot of fun to see. Well, let's, let's talk about it because or, go ahead, Tyler. I was just going to say, I, I texted Corbin and Adam after uh Brent's, uh, you know, opening press conference. I was like, you yeah. know, Whenever, whenever we listened to, you know, Lincoln Riley, it was like 29-58, 29-59, 30-minute mark. Okay, Mike, we good? And here here goes BV, you know, spending 21 minutes in the opening remarks. So, pretty refreshing. It it was insane. The first time that we talked to him, he had gone back. It was was on signing day. So, he had, like, the staff basically left Norman to get out of town right after uh, the first signing day in December. And it was, like, so we, we met with him he was at his cabin or his lake house back in South Carolina and the connection was terrible. And like, we basically couldn't use any of the audio because he kept going in and out and stuff. And it just, it didn't work out. And, you know, you would expect like, you know, him to just be like, okay, we'll, we'll get you when we come back or something and it'd be completely fine. And, uh, he ended up sitting with us the next day for like an hour and 45 minutes 
holding the cell phone to his like <laughs> to his face, like on Zoom. And it was just like, you know, there's one thing of like going out of your way to accommodate people, but this was a different level. And even some of the uh, the other press conferences that we've had here over the last couple of weeks. I mean, I had him on a radio show. Uh, I was like a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember what it was for exactly. I think it was just for the start of spring football. And I think we asked him three questions, like real questions we asked, and he talked for 20 minutes. Uh, so like he's, he's, he's winded, he's long winded, but at the same time, there is a level of passion, a level of like, you're the most per- most important person in the room when he's talking mm-hmm. to you type of feel. And, you know, I, I can see why somebody uh, goes into his office or goes on a recruiting visit or an in-home. I think it was Kobe McKenzie's parents that talked about how just like, dynamic he was when he walked into their home down in Lubbock. And that was even before uh, Kobe recommitted. So uh, that's kind of like a little splice of what you're getting with Brent Venables. And obviously, uh, you know, as much as he talks about relationships and all that kind of stuff, uh, it's, it's very evident that he means it. And, you know, is obviously very passionate about what he does. Well, let's talk on the field, Eddie. You obviously, like we mentioned, you've had some access. Uh, If you've been living under a rock and haven't seen, you know, the B-roll from Scoop, uh, fill us in on what you've seen. Maybe uh, we've we've talked enough about, I think, the mentality of the team. That's become pretty evident. But let's talk players. Let's talk positions. Who's really sticking out to you? Who do you expect maybe to make a jump here in 2022? I'm excited to kind of get your feedback on that. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. It's like you can only base so much off of what you see. Obviously, it's kind of cool seeing Dylan Gabriel out there for the first time throwing from the left side. I don't know. Just I guess I'm a weirdo. Like that's one of the first things that stuck out was uh, just how different it looks and how different it has been with uh, with Oklahoma quarterbacks over the last couple of years. But, you know, there there are guys like when you go out there, uh, you know, Connie, uh, can Walker was a kid that really kind of jumped off the page, the transfer in from Louisville. Uh, he was a guy that stuck out a couple of days ago just because he's so physically imposing. And when you look at that defensive back group, uh, Jaden Gibson, you know, obviously the uh, the big four star commitment wide receiver that they were able to get at the end of the uh, recruiting cycle last year uh, in Jeff Levy, like both of those wide receivers. It's like, OK, those guys are both new looking guys uh, just with their length and, uh, you know, and Nick Anderson as well. Both of them kind of jump off at you. But then, you know, when you're talking about guys that I think they're really going to start making an impact next year, uh, you know, obviously Danny Stepton looks great. Ethan Downs looks amazing in, uh, you know, kind of, I guess, forecasting or trying to picture what they could be inside of uh, Brent Venable's defense. Uh, You know, I I think that, you know, obviously Jeffrey Johnson was really impressive. He was one of the first guys that we talked to. Uh, The uh, defensive tackle from Tulane. Uh, the transfer that came in, McCabe Matower looks really good. Savion Bird looks incredible. Like it's it's also kind of one of those things, you know, with as many question marks about the offensive line going into uh, next season. We kind of want to wait to talk to Bill Beatenbo until maybe that week before spring football. I mean, uh, before the spring game, uh, just because you can't really like, you know, they haven't really done a whole lot through the first, you know, handful of practices, but. Uh, you know, Tyler Guyton looks like a guy that is absolutely humongous. The TCU transfer, uh, you know, a bunch of guys that are down there right now and specifically all those, uh, the new transferred in guys uh, out of the portal. You know, I, I think that Brent talked about it right at the, uh, at national signing day or right when they were, were able to talk to him when they got them in those first couple of weeks. It's like, you can tell that it was a, thought out process as far as getting guys in there. Uh, you know, a Jeffrey Johnson, a guy that was a captain on the team last year, TD roof for a, you know, a certain extent was a, was a captain at Appalachian state. Uh, you know, obviously uh, Jonah Lalua uh, is a kid that, you know, you hear Miguel Chavis and he just raves about what he could be knowing that he has a, a, a kind of a, a future and, you know, three more years left of eligibility. So, Uh, You know, those are certainly guys that all jump off the page. Javante Barnes, just from a physical standpoint, uh, the running back out of Las Vegas looks absolutely incredible. Um, You know, I I think that him and Marcus Major and talking with Eric Gray, uh, you know, those three guys are going to certainly be guys that you keep an eye on here moving forward. And, you know, specifically with I'm sure that you guys know with how much they're going to want to be able to run the ball and kind of get back to a little bit of a smash mouth north south game. Um, you know, I think that it's going to kind of be fun to see which one of those three guys really ends up kind of taking the lead role. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm excited to see what Marcus Major can do. But at the same time, it's like you talk to Eric Gray and uh, he is very 
well-spoken and very like professional about how, how everything goes. And he knows that last year probably wasn't the type of year that he thought he was going to have. Uh, you know, for the same matter, another guy that came from Tennessee along with him is Wanye Morris. Like, like one of the all-time, and we talk about it on the on the on the scoop pot all the time. It's like, what happened to Wanye Morris? Like, he played a lot at Tennessee as uh, two years ago, and then comes over here, and he just never really could sniff the field. So, uh, you know, those are some guys that obviously stick out, and then you have kind of the guys that return and guys that were, you know, key role players a year ago, whether it be a Woody Washington or whether it be a DJ Graham, uh, you know, who speaks extremely highly of Jay Valai as a, as a cornerbacks coach. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see kind of what shakes out at safety as well. Uh, you know, I, I know that like at the end of the last week, the big news was with Justin Harrington and, you know, for a, for a walk on safety, I don't know if you can, I don't know if you'll find a better walk on quote unquote <laughs> safety coming in next year. So, uh, you know, I would imagine he gets back on scholarship at some point, but, uh, yeah. there's a lot of really good looking guys. Like, and that's like the, the crazy thing about this whole like new staff and like everything that's going on down there right now is, you know, it's a really good staff taking over a program that didn't necessarily just fire a coach because they went three and eight. It was a, <laughs> a program that, you know, quote unquote underachieved because they lost two games in the regular season. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's exciting to a certain extent. Uh, and you know, I, I think it's going to be, you know, obviously as you guys know, like just how it all comes together and over the next couple of months, everybody stays healthy and goes through the summer with Schmitty and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's going to be super kind of exciting to see how it all comes together. Uh, you know, next season. Yeah, I think it was after the first practice of fall camp last year that Bill Beanbow said that this was the most excited he'd been uh, about an offensive line group since the Joe Moore Award winner. So I'm kind of, yeah. we all know how that played out. So kind of tampering my expectations with that until we, <laughs> sure. uh, we see him play a game next year. But um, Eddie, tr- kind of transitioning here, you guys do such a good job at Sooner Scoop, um, you know, covering the world of recruiting. Uh, and it's been fun to see some big changes in recruiting with this staff compared to the last one. Um, you know, putting a strong emphasis on the Southeast, making OK preps a priority, trying to build a wall around the state of Oklahoma uh, and really, you know, co- kind of going back to focusing so much time and effort on the DFW area. But there is one thing that Brent does that I'm not quite sure how well is going to translate, um, you know, go- how it's going to play in today's age with these kids. And that's not accepting a kid's commitment until he's ready to shut things down and not take any more visits. So I just don't, don't know how you can do that in the year 2022 where social media is such a popular thing and kids you yep. know, want to have all the attention. They want people to know where they're going, you know, taking pictures, posting visits. So do you think this is something that Brent can stay with or do you think there's going to be an adjustment period as we move into the future? It's going to be super interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like I like just knowing how everything is right now. Uh, it's, it's, it's going to be kind of insane. And, you know, you're kind of playing with fire in a way is like, if you're going to make some kids wait, or if you try to get them to buy in early and, you know, repeatedly, uh, it's, it's a staff message that they want guys that are only going to be in for the long haul. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle this. Uh, and especially if you say, get to, you know, middle of December and you only have, 12 commitments or something because of this, I, the ideology that they want to go with or with the, uh, you know, the game plan or the, the strategy that they want to use. It's going to be interesting if they try to adjust it. And, you know, I think that, you know, obviously Brent's not stupid. The staff isn't stupid. I think that they can kind of uh, read the tea leaves as far as like what is out there. And it will be interesting to see how, if they get any pushback or if they get any, uh, buddy that says, yeah, or how many kids that they get that say, you know, we, I want to commit, but I'm not all, I'm not all in, but necessarily if you say that, when you say it out loud, it doesn't really sound like you're actually committed. So, uh, you know, Brent does have a way with, uh, you know, I, I think kind of making people, uh, you know, believe in their decisions and obviously, you know, kind of the sales pitch that they're throwing out there right now. So I'm, I'm super interested as, as much as anybody in how this works and, you know, you get on the backside of like the first couple of junior days that they've had. It sounds like everything's gone really successful. Uh, but at the same time, you haven't had those celebrations of big commitments either. And I think that, you know, obviously that's what the fan base they want to see. But at the end of the day, I guess it doesn't really matter if you're getting their signature at the end of December or the middle of December. So uh, why does it really matter at, at the end? So, or I mean, as a whole. Uh, but yeah, I, I really don't know. It's like, 
I'm just as leery as, as you guys are, it sounds like, just kind of uh, not one or kind of wondering how it is all going to work out. But at the same time, they did such a good job in closing in December. And maybe it worked out for them just because they were kind of up against the clock. As, and so were those kids looking for spots. But at the same time, they had to sell a program on, you know, just basically a belief and not really knowing a whole lot about what was going to happen around the the other corner. So, uh, you know, they they have a certain way with being able to sell the program. And I think that at like a certain level of buy in uh, just in kind of what we've been able to see here over the first couple of months. And, you know, that's kind of where like the sole mission uh, project or whatever they want to call it kind of comes into play too. Like, I can't tell you how many times we've talked to these guys and, you know, we're talking to David Wegbu today uh, just as far as like, he talks to Curtis Lofton every day. And it's like, Curtis Lofton is basically a, he's like an on-field coach without being an on-field coach, if you will. And uh, you know, that's kind of their way of getting around some of this kind of stuff. And, you know, that's been super interesting to see as well as, as the support staff that they've built around them. And, you know, those are kind of built in processes. I think that I guess in a way serve as kind of some answers to what they haven't been able to do, if that makes sense. And I think that, you know, there is going to be such a momentum and such a uh, build up and buy in. And especially if things are going well during the middle of the season, that maybe you do get a couple more guys that maybe weren't so apt to buy in uh, with the previous staff. And, you know, I, I think that's going to be particularly interesting to see. And, you know, at the same time, it's like, I guess the, the, the glass half full side of this too is, you know, how many times has Oklahoma gotten a, uh, you know, a commitment from a kid during the summer or a commitment from a kid during December, I mean, uh, leading up to December and then he decommits in October or he de- decommits in July and says, you know, I just wasn't ready. Like I see both sides of it. Like the kind of the, I guess not the, the underwhelming feeling of when a kid decommits, but kind of knowing like, well, yeah, I could see that. I, he wasn't ever going to really last, but at the same time, it's like, and this has been Josh McQuestion, uh, who I work with over at scoop. He's, he's always been like, you know, why wouldn't you want to sell, you know, insert whatever ranked player is committed and you can sell that for as much, for as long as he's in the class. And then it, when he isn't obviously, uh, you got to re-recruit him, but you know, recruiting so crazy nowadays, who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> Maybe this will be the new wave of stuff. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, before we jump into the next question, I uh, want to remind everyone that they can find us on Twitter at the mainline pod, as well as our new YouTube channel, the mainline podcast. We'll have some segments up from uh, this interview as well as a uh, future podcast up there. So check us out there. And if you've enjoyed the podcast so far, make sure to give us a review on uh, Apple podcast. If you are so kind, we would greatly appreciate that. So um, Eddie, I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. We, as far as going into this year, the big 12 championship game, other than OU, we haven't seen a team repeat a performance in back-to-back years. It's always been a surprise team that's shown up kind of, you know, off the radar. Are there any teams that you're looking at maybe besides OSU or Baylor that might make an appearance in that game? Yeah, I was going to say, like, is OSU off the radar? You know, I I guess people (laughs) wouldn't expect them to get back, but I mean, they're not losing much. Obviously, they're going to have to replace Malcolm Rodriguez, but they get some guys back on the defensive line. Uh, You know, if Spencer Sanders can, I guess, in a way, just continue the progression that he has, I think they're going to have some question marks at the wide receiver position, but you know, I don't think anybody's ever really been worried about Oklahoma State producing guys, uh, you know, or at least guys to be able to catch the football. They, it seems like they've had a, a, a good amount of uh, talent up there and also guys coming in. I mean, I think Shetron will probably play pretty early as much as Oklahoma fans don't want to hear it. But, you know, I, I would say OSU and Baylor obviously are going to be two of the schools that are right up there. I don't know. I'm I'm not just in love with what Baylor has coming back at the quarterback position. Obviously, you know, they made most of their meat on the defensive side of the football last year, but you know, Dave Rand is, they're probably going to just reload with what they have. You know, I, here we are again in the middle of the off season and, you know, Texas is a sexy looking team to uh, look at on paper. There's no reason why they shouldn't be good. Like I, I, I tell myself I'm never, I'm always going to not do this, but you know, I think Quinn Ewers is going to be really good. Uh, you know, obviously with the talent around him is extremely, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, sexy in a type of way that you go, you know, I think in the back of all Oklahoma fans' minds, they go, 
you know, what if he is the guy that they've been kind of waiting on. But at the same time, it's like we've done this for the last decade and a half, it seems like, as far as waiting for Texas to turn that corner and and, and be the team that everybody thinks they're going to be in the uh, in the preseason. And who knows how that Alabama game is going to go early in the season if things get haywired there. <laughs> You know, who knows? Are are they going to be a, a, a typical Texas team? And then you kind of fall back on this idea that, you know, is Steve Sarkeesian just kind of not that guy as a head coach? Who knows? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think Iowa State's going to fall off. I, you know, I hate to say that that way, but, you know, it, it's kind of funny. And we were talking about this at the end of last season. I remember just as far as like, is Matt Campbell really that guy that everybody thought he was going to be? And, uh, you know, his stars kind of uh, dimmed a little bit just as far as uh, what they are. That's not to say that I don't think that Iowa State's still going to be a decent football program. Uh, you know, TCU's kind of interesting just because I, I don't know. I I don't know why that thing fell off as much as it did over the last couple of years. I kind of like Sonny Dykes and what he did at SMU, obviously. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Kansas State's kind of interesting just because you you feel like Kleiman had that thing headed in the right direction, and then they mm-hmm. ran into a bunch of injuries a year ago. Um, but, you know, they're another team. It's like, am I really in love with what they're doing at quarterback? So, uh, you know, it, there's a bunch of those teams that it feels like I – don't, I don't know about you guys. It feels like the Big 12 outside of, you know, in Oklahoma is kind of in – a little bit of a limbo situation, I guess, if you want to look at it that way, just because of the unknown, uh, you know, at, at least nationally, I think that that's the way it's going to look, even though, you know, for, for people that follow it closely know that they have a lot of talent returning. It's just going to be a matter of what Jeff Levy can get out of this offense. And, uh, you know, and then obviously the, you know, the biggest question mark, just as far as what they're going to do at quarterback, but uh, you know, or not what they're going to do, but, is Dylan Gabriel going to really be that guy that, that, you know, can yeah. take them to the next level. And, uh, you know, it's wide open. It feels like to get to Arlington. And, you know, I, I think that that's why if you're a Texas fan or if you're an Oklahoma state fan or a Baylor fan, or obviously an Oklahoma fan, you have to feel at least decently pretty good about the way things are, at least your opportunity going into 2022, uh, because there are just so many unknowns and, you know, I, I, I have no idea what to think of Texas Tech, but, you know, I Matt Wells, I I like Matt Wells. Obviously, a great pickup for Oklahoma. Uh, it's a good thing that it happened to him because OU is going to benefit from it. But, uh, you know, I love Joey McGuire, and I think that he's mm-hmm. building something out there. I just don't know how quickly that thing's going to be able to turn around. And obviously, uh, you know, the, the way that the season ended for them and, you know, they, they do, did have, a, I guess, a couple quarterbacks coming back uh, that they can build around. It's just going to be a matter of, you know, kind of flipping the switch for them. But I don't know. Even Kansas is like, I, I think I read like an early projection. is like, you know, Kansas might be able to win three games next year. And for Kansas to do that, hey. maybe two conference games. I mean, Texas we'll see. And somebody else. Yeah, they, they have Texas on the schedule. So we know that. They at least have a win, maybe out there. No, I, I'm I'm joking. I I would love to see Texas get back to you know what Texas should be, uh, or what we believe Texas should be, and you know that's mm-hmm. at least a step above respectable. And uh, they just haven't even been that. So uh, you know I don't want to put it down to all onto one player, but if Quinn Ewers can be, you know, I think a guy that everybody feels like he could be, um, you know. Maybe OU Texas again in the uh, the Big 12 championship. That'd be a lot of fun. Eddie, real quick, I know we want to touch on uh, softball and baseball with you quickly, sure. but I just have a quick hitter. OU makes the college football playoff in 2022 if what? What needs to happen? Expansion? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, I mean, like, th- th- this is the thing, though. It's like if oh if you're Oklahoman because of the name Brandon because of the, the the logo on the helmet and I think that everything that will go into next year they have a you know a, a, what I would call a decently easy schedule with the you know the Nebraska non-con game I guess is a little scary if you're just looking at it from an, a perspective of this is the first time Brent will take a team on the road this is mm-hmm. the first time that you know Dylan Gabriel really thrown into something like that uh, you know there's always that what if if you know Oklahoma goes up there and turns the ball over three or four times obviously. Uh, you know, and it's going to be a huge game up in Lincoln. It's going to be kind of, I think, what will be branded as, you know, what they hope 
would be their coming out party up there. But at the same time, you know, I think Oklahoma's still back into the, 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 the same old, same old. And I, I guess it's kind of arrogant to say it this way, but it's like they win, you know, if they go 11 and one or 12 and one, I, I think that they have a really good chance to get up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's kind of banking on a lot of stuff to go as planned. And, you know, a lot of unanswered questions being, I guess, kind of answered in a way, but, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, if they can just kind of do what they typically do. And I, I know that that sounds arrogant with ever with all the changes, but at the same time, it's just the matter of the fact. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, if Oklahoma can win the big 12, obviously uh, they'll have just mm-hmm. as good of chance as anybody to get into, uh, into a, into a, in back into a, into a playoff. And, you know, that's just, that's kind of the world that we live in. If you're one of the blue blood programs and you put up a good record, uh, you know, they've shown time and time again, if they're going to stay at four, a, a, a school like Oklahoma is going to have a chance every year. I mean, hell, yeah, they almost got in last year yeah. and uh, their damn coach left them in the middle of the night. So it's like, it's just crazy <laughs> to think about, like, especially all the like, what ifs they, you know, what if Caleb Williams breaks off the run in Bedlam and they end up winning like an overtime and then go to the Big 12 championship? Like Lincoln Riley's still the head coach, probably at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Like I just, it maybe the whole thing is like, it's 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 crazy to think about though. Yep. Adam? Uh yeah, let's talk baseball here. Um I get teased <laughs> a lot on this podcast for being the uh, negative Nancy. And yeah. I know you've been getting a lot of that in the uh, threads on screen. Um I don't think I'm I'm at that level, but we are halfway through the season at this point. Sure. Uh, we've had some ups and downs. Uh, I think if you had said two and two over the past week against your rivals, you know, before all those games, we would have said for sure. But everybody would have taken it. Everybody yeah, would have yeah. taken that immediately. Exactly. I have to say, I think I think Sunday was my fault, Eddie. I'm up here in Denver, and oh, I walked. No. I walked. I walked into a bar, and the first thing I saw was the seven one home run with the horns it down. Like, it was like a moth in by, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. I was like, when are OU players going to learn to stop doing that? Sorry, but I was like, I'm I'm cursed. I'm going to stop watching baseball the rest of the season, and who knows? <laughs> yeah, Corbin, you're not falling on the sword for the bullpen. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah it, man it just felt it just left a really bad taste and i, I think know. um the team's mouth our mouths you know after um what was really a good week and there's an opportunity coming up this week and sure. probably over the next 14 days really to yeah to do really well but i mean i guess i struggle with this is is getting into the postseason the bar for success to keep skip around another year and if you are you're you're probably a three seed you're probably not going to a super is that is that enough? It just, it, it, it kind of depends on how you look at it. And I don't think that Oklahoma fans are going to like this answer, but when you look at what they have right now, as far as, you know, quote unquote, young players, there's a lot to like, uh, you, you look at, you know, Wallace Clark kind of breaking out over the weekend. I think that he's going to have a mainstay in the, in the lineup moving forward. Kate Horton, obviously, uh, you know, he had a little bit of a slow start, but getting him back on the mound is obviously a positive. He's starting to hit the ball better. Uh, you know, there are a lot of nice pieces in there. And I think that the tone of this conversation would be much different had they just held on to the lead on Sunday afternoon and they beat mm-hmm. Texas and you're coming off of a weekend series in which you go, uh, you take two or three from Texas. Uh, all of a sudden you're four and two in conference play. You've beaten Bedlam. You went three and one over the week. You wake up with a top 20 ranking. I mean, we're legitimately talking about, you know, going into Bedlam this weekend. Had they won on Sunday? Can OU host? Can they can they sneak in as a host in the in the in the in an NCAA regional? And uh, you know, obviously the the bullpens have been up and down. Uh, it's just been inconsistent. One day you get a really good debut out of a of a Javier Ramos, and you know I thought he pitched all intents and purposes. He pitched pretty well on uh, Sunday. Uh, he just gave up three run bomb, and you know it's just mm-hmm. it's frustrating to sit there and watch some of the mistakes that they've made to lose games, whether it be the LSU game, uh, whether it be you know the New Orleans thing with the debacle that they had on Friday night with Jared Godman uh, blowing a six three lead and then losing the series on Sunday. Uh, you know there there's so much positive right now, but it gets overshadowed by the negative because of you know two or three four games, and if they were just able to win two or three of those games, like give them three games. All of a sudden they're 19 and seven, four and two on conference, as opposed to 16 and 10, three and three. And I think that there's a lot of people right now that are 
you know, probably changing their tone about what this team is as a whole. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're obviously their strength of schedule has been extremely tough. And I know that's kind of an excuse, but it, it's just a flat out truth. You know, the, the UCLA team that beat them up down in uh, Houston, uh, they ended up uh, sweeping Oregon over the weekend. They're going to sneak into the top mm-hmm. 25. Dallas Baptist is a, is number two in the RPR right now. And that's a, that's a team that they've already beat. So, you know, it, it's just like when you're talking about the the longevity of the program or you're talking about as a whole, obviously the saying isn't where they want it to be. I think that's pretty obvious. I mean, Oklahoma should never miss the NCAA tournament. I think that's just kind of the matter of fact way to say it. And, uh, you know, how much are they going to have to do to save Skip's job or to get him back next year? I really don't know. I mean, I, I think that, you know, in a way it probably gets hurt because the softball side of things is just so astronomically much, you know, better than what, what that program is right now. And it's hard to, you know, to, to compare those two programs because obviously, you know, Oklahoma's elite of the elite of the elite right now. I mean, it's a, it's a dynasty. And uh, so like from a spring sport comparison, it probably gets hurt through that lens. And then you throw in the the you know the stuff with moving the Texas series down to Arlington and all that. It's just like it was added salt in the wound when you lose a game like they in the manner that they did on Sunday. And that's just the kind of the reality of the situation that it is right now. Like at the end of the day, Skip's going to be based off of uh, wins and losses. I love the guy. I'm always going to probably side to uh, being a little bit biased just because I, I like him as a person. But that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that it's fun to watch them boot the ball on, you know, five times against Baylor uh, and, and commit five errors and play bad baseball. Uh, so, you know, they've taken steps in the right direction this year. It's just unfortunate that, you know, in a way, it probably doesn't look like it if you're looking at box scores every day or if you're looking at, uh, you know, inning to inning how this team plays. Sometimes there's a lot of bad and they got to figure out a way to, to figure out the bullpen, but it should be interesting here moving forward. Uh, you know, you obviously you get through these next, what four game or five games, I guess with ORU on the midweek and then Bedlam this weekend and then Texas tech and Midland, uh, or I mean, uh, Amarillo coming up next week. Once you can get through that, it's like you start being able to take a little bit more of a deep breath and you get the Kansases and Kansas States and the West Virginias of the world. But with that said, it's like West Virginia just went down to Fort Worth over the weekend and took two or three. And, uh, you know, it really kind of puts emphasis on those series. Like you can't you can't go lose two or three to Kansas State. You can't go lose to it. You can't lose series to to the Kansas schools. You can't lose some or of these New series Orleans. that people are going or or New Orleans. <laughs> Uh, it's just like there are going to be series moving forward as the schedule gets quote unquote easier that they're going to have to be able to take advantage of if you want to make an NCAA tournament. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just crazy to think that where this thing could be had they just a couple, you know, breaks here and there, and they're able to win a couple more games. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they have a great RPI. Their RPI is 20th today. Uh, when they wake up, you know, even after the the debacle that was Sunday and, you know, it just kind of, it is, that's, that's the way that you, uh, that you have to live in baseball is uh, you got to make money when you can. And, you know, obviously winning up in a two or three up at O'Brate this weekend would go a long way. Obviously beating ORU will go yeah. a long way. They have two games against ORU. They have another game against Wichita State, another game against Dallas Baptist. Uh, but if you aren't able to, you know, the, the walls could be closing in pretty quickly and it's going to be interesting to see how that's handled by the administration. And, uh, you know, I know everybody loves skip and I think that the biggest thing too is, is, you know, I, I think probably as you guys have seen on the board, the most frustrating thing is, is it's been pitching and you know, that's kind of skips mm-hmm. bread and butter is getting guys in there. And especially on the back end of the rotation, uh, they just haven't had it. It seems like, and you know, last year it was starting pitching this year. It seems like, you know, Jake, David Sandlin and uh, Chaz Martinez have been excellent at times. They just need somebody to be able to close things up on the back end. And I think that's been the frustrating thing is like, and that's, that's the, that's kind of the thing with, uh, with any baseball team. It's like, if it hasn't been one thing, it's been another. And especially when you're kind of going up and down, it seems like that's usually where they're going to bite you is like not doing the small things correctly. And uh, you know, that's, that's been the biggest thing for them this year so far. And you just hope that it gets better. I mean, I, I don't, I I've asked skip like 
nicely, I guess, like what else they can do in the bullpen. And it's like, when you don't know exactly who you're going to get each day, like I was going into uh, this past week and it's like, if you can get Ramos to pitch the way that he has in the last couple of appearances, Griffin Miller starting to come on, Kate Horton starting to come on. If you can get some of those guys to be really good, it's like, there's a lot to like there. They throw hard. They, they can locate, they got, you know, plus arms. It's just getting consistency out of those guys. And, you know, I think that's been the most frustrating thing for everybody is just the inconsistency that's been there uh, with the arms. But like offensively, like I can't really they don't have a, they don't have any boppers in the lineup. But I think one through nine, it's starting to come together pretty, pretty well. Mm-hmm. And if you can add Wallace Clark in there, you can still DH Max McGuire. They're going to need to figure out a way to keep Kate Horton in the lineup. Uh, you know, it's been thrown out to me that maybe they throw him over at first and then you can DH uh, Blake Robertson, who's kind of been a revelation this year just as far as what they were able to get out of him i know that they were really happy when they signed him but i don't think anybody thought that you know he would lead the team in batting right now so they have a bunch of guys down there and you know it's just the small stuff it's like the uh you know the what what's going on out in left field how do you drop a fly ball like that how do you run into somebody that's stuff that (laughs) you know when i was playing like you know nbc world series stuff it's like that should never happen like just talk fly ball that's that's i think that's the most frustrating thing is yeah it's like like or booting a ball at third or booting a ball at second it's like uh in the uh the baylor series on sunday it's like Mm -hmm. how do you 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 work all the way back to tie it up seven seven and then or was it five five or i can't remember what it was but they worked all the way back to tie it up and then you give up five runs in the seventh inning it's like because you know and i think three or four of them were unearned it's like i just i don't know it's been been frustrating to watch and i know that it's frustrating for oklahoma fans to watch as fans uh it just it just i don't know there's sometimes it's like yeah guess are division one baseball players how's this keep happening <laughs> well eddie we've got about 60 seconds left here we'll let you go um just a quick question for you to get you out of here which is more likely you go ahead and, and release your way too early preseason top 25 or you bury the hatchet online with uh, easy shop one <laughs> i will do i will do ap polls i'll start voting in the godforsaken ap poll before the other <laughs> i would imagine there it is i would imagine i, eddie, I don't know eddie, I, I don't have any animosity towards the guy i if i go missing though you guys know what happened like, just that's where we're that starting that's how it goes and i eddie. know that somebody's gonna take me out before too long North Carolina or Kansas tonight? Who you got? Probably Kansas, but mm-hmm. the way that North Carolina's played over the tournament and, you know, back into March, I can't sit here and say that I believe Kansas is going to do it because I've been kind of the guy that every chance that I got, it's like, Kansas? Like, this Kansas team's going to win a national championship? Yeah. And then you look up and it's like, Kansas is going to win the Big 12? And then they are two games up in the – uh, loss column in the regular season standings and then they win the big 12 tournament and then they you know basically kind of cakewalked outside of the Creighton game they got saved by Remy Martin so um, you know it does kind of make sense though that the Kansas team that I think a lot of people kind of slept on is going to end up being the Kansas team that maybe wins a national championship and obviously have an opportunity uh, to win it on Monday so I I guess I would like to see Kansas win, but at the same time, I have a bunch of, you know, I don't say, I wouldn't say I have a bunch of buddies, but I know Brooke Pryor went to North Carolina. It'd be awesome for Brady. It's been a fun story just to kind of follow from mm-hmm. afar. Uh, that would be incredible that a kid from Hera, Oklahoma, you know, won a national championship at North Carolina, but yeah. I don't know. I, I guess selfishly, I just hope it's like a double, triple overtime, like, you know, into the game, making as many shots as possible to win the game. So Saturday was a lot of fun. Hopefully this game delivers. Yeah. Well, Eddie, we, we greatly appreciate you coming on tonight. Absolutely. Anytime guys. Yeah. Everyone will be listening to this after that game is already finished. Most likely. So well, just go back in and edit whatever I said (laughs) to make it right. So like either North Carolina won, or yeah, I think Kansas is going to win, and we'll just edit all <laughs> that back go. in. And Tiger's going to win the Masters, so it's going to be a great week. <laughs> I've convinced myself exactly. it's happening. It's happening. 
I mean, there's no way that he would have. I, I I'm just kind of echoing all the word that's coming out of Augusta, but it's like there's just no way that he was going to go up there and play the practice round like he did last week with Charlie, yeah, and then get back up there on Sunday and like he's going through all of his prep work, quote unquote, is everything that he normally does. Uh, you know, when I went out there with Mike Steely, like one of the first things that we saw was him walking with Fred couples and Justin Thomas on, uh, off number one T box, like they did today. So, I mean, he has to play, right? Like I'll be heartbroken, but like, I'm also kind of a dumbass for thinking like, <laughs> I know in the back of my mind, it's like, there's no way he can compete. There's no way that he can win. Hell, I'll just like I keep telling myself, just be happy if he plays. Just be even more, you know, blessed and happy if he makes the cut. But there is like this, you know, I think I'm kind of like everybody else as far as like a Tiger fanboy that's in the back of my mind mm-hmm. thinking like, if there is anybody that can do this in the entire world, mm-hmm. it's him. And he knows that place like the back of his hand. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I I think that he could probably, you know, break par and be competitive on a broken leg out there. Uh, kind of like he did at Tory. So, you know, obviously well, I'm, I'm, well, I'm kidding, but it, yeah, it's just such a great story. Just seeing him out there. It's like, just seeing some of the stuff from uh, the golf channel this afternoon. It was like, I mean, I know it's like dramatic to say it, but he almost died. He almost died <laughs> in a car wreck and he's going to play in the masters yeah. a year later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's and, and best that's, week of the know, year. I'm so the- excited. No, I am too, and that's you know one of the one of the funny parts about it is you know looking at what Daniel Rappaport who followed him around for nine holes today. I mean his his game looks really really good, especially the short game. So can his body hold up? You know, fourteen months after almost losing his right leg in a car accident. Uh, but if there's anybody that can do it, we already saw it in 2019. Him be able to come back after you know multiple back surgeries, you know the ACL, everything that he's been through. But um, Eddie, I do want to ask you one thing real quick here. We've got a guy, we have got a buddy of ours that yeah, we worked with at OU. I'm not in a hurry. Um, he is actually, um, he found out last week, uh, he's going to be going to the Masters on Friday. First time ever bucket list trip. We know that you've spent some time uh, on the grounds at Augusta. I'm afraid on the ticket application. Uh, Maybe next year it'll it'll happen. But uh, for this guy, for Connery, I know that you'll be listening to this. Spending Friday to maximize your time at Augusta, how are you spending your day? Okay. I, I think that like there's two different answers. So he's going on a Friday. So he's going like for the actual tournament because like on Wednesday I went to a practice round and then I went to uh, a regular round on Thursday and it's like almost kind of two different worlds because you obviously you can take your phone in or not your phone in, but you can take a camera in on Wednesday and it's just such a chill atmosphere because there's not a whole lot of guys playing practice rounds. So you can really like take in the entire course. You can go to each hole. You can, almost kind of stand in the middle of fairways and just kind of take in all of the scenes uh, that, that is Augusta. But on Friday, I mean, I would say these, like it's tough not to tell people to go to the back nine because there's so much history on every single hole. Uh, There's so much like just incredible. Like I would, you got to go look at you got to go look at the front nine. Obviously, try to make as much of a quick pass by as you can. I know it's different during the tournament because you're going to have to kind of flow with the rest of the patrons. But you know, you got to get to the back nine, and that's kind of like where the magic begins. And obviously, you know, with as much history that goes into it, like ten is literally one of the most like majestic holes and walks that you could ever possibly do uh, because it's so downhill. It's so just like jaw droppingly, like just amazing in terms of what you see is like, you kind of get it on, on TV. And you know, isn't that kind of like the cliche line about the undulations of the greens and the fairways, Mm -hmm. like you get a good idea of what it is on television, but I don't think you truly get like, like we were walking it backwards and my fat ass trying to walk up 10. It's like, you get halfway up the hill and you legitimately like, kind of start breathing heavy a little bit because it's so far uphill if you're walking it backwards. But, you know, once you get to Amen Corner, 11, 12, and 13, there's like a uh, there's a concession stand right behind the tee box on 12, like kind of ad- adjacent to that big hill there. 
and you can set up camp like you don't have to go down with all the where all the uh, chairbacks are, but you can basically stand on top of this hill, go get you a couple blue moons, a couple beers, a couple uh, Stellas <laughs> or whatever you want. I'm not a uh, I'm not a pimento cheese sandwich guy, so I would no. recommend getting a chicken sandwich or just the straight barbecue sandwich. Get a couple beers, stand on top of that hill though, and you watch the uh, basically the iron shots coming in from eleven. You get the tee shots coming off from twelve, and I think the most amazing thing, uh, or one of the most amazing things that I like, truly just didn't grasp was like. You know, 12 and 13, obviously, you cross the bridge. And then the 13 tee box is so far back behind 12 green that, like, and you can't get over to that side of the course. That's the only part of the property that you can't get on, like, the opposite side of. So everybody kind of funnels into, like, obviously 12, and then you watch the tee shots, and then you can get up to 13. And you kind of watch everybody, you know, hit their fairway shots from 13, obviously trying to go for it. Uh, in the middle of fairway from 13, but then, uh, you know, 14 is a fun hole. And then we sat on 15, watched quite a bit of action over there on the grandstand. Uh, and you're able to watch, you know, a bunch of guys, it's kind of a blind, uh, second shot. Uh, and you know, they've lengthened 15 this year. So I think it's going to be even more yes. interesting as far as decisions that guys are going to have to make, uh, hitting long irons into 15 green, which is, you know, basically a, a little, just little speck of land. It's kind of incredible watching uh, that. And then, you know, I, it's hard to beat 16. I think 16 might be one of my favorite holes on the course. uh, Just Mm -hmm. as far as being able to sit there, watch guys uh, hit, you know, hit shots into 16, I guess Friday, that pin will be, I think like back, right, maybe. Uh, So, you know, that's a lot of, is it back, right? And then obviously it's front left on Sunday. I can't Correct. remember how that goes. And then it's front right, I think, on Thursday. Uh, so you yes. can kind of, like, they have that big hill, too, on 16 across the water that you can kind of set up on. There's another concession stand behind the embankment back there uh, that you can watch everything from. Uh, and you can kind of angle yourself on 16, too, to be able to watch 17 T-Box. So that's fun. And then, you know, I guess I won't make him go to every hole, but... Yeah, <laughs> you have to some point get behind 18 T box and just truly understand not only how far that hole has been lengthened. Uh, Trevor Immelman, I don't know if you guys listen to the shotgun start podcast, but he was on with Brendan Porath this past <laughs> week. And it's a great like kind of encapsulation just as far as like what what Augusta was even back in 08, as opposed to what it is now. And just stand behind 18 and watch a couple T shots the 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 like narrow hallway that you have to hit off of 18 to just get it into the fairway and the amount of guys that are able to do that is just you know i think anybody that goes and watches professionals hit golf balls just even on the driving range realizes yeah how good those guys are and how much different that thing sounds but just the true appreciation of watching those guys hit tee shots onto 18 into this little narrow gap that is, you know, the most, one of the most infamous or I guess famous holes in golf. I think anybody that has ever watched the masters has seen that 18 hole tee shot. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. truly incredible. So it's a bucket list. He's going to well, think 15 is going to be interesting too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 15, 15 is going to be interesting. I, I can't remember if it was Colin Morikawa or Cam Smith when he was meeting with the media today talking mm-hmm. about since they've moved the tees back, he had, I think in his practice around two forty. That second shot Dude. into the 15 green. So it's going to be Sunday so afternoon. Pressure's cooking. It's going to be a lot of fun to see if, you know, what guys decide to do if they want to lay up or, you know, take a chance at it. But no, it's, it's the best week in sports uh, for me all year long. So can't wait for Thursday to get here. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I would imagine that there's going to be a bunch of guys, especially planted early on Thursday and Friday that probably end up due. Uh, and, you know, I guess it might depend a little bit on the winds and you, they always talk about the swirling winds at Augusta and, like it just, there's so much, it's the same course, but at the same time, it's so different because they make those little changes. And even I, was it, is it, God, I think it's 11. I was watching the, uh, the women's amateur and I think no laying up guys pointed it out. Like they have that tree now on the right side of 11 
And, you know, yes. just like small little stuff like that is going to F with yeah. those guys so much. And, you know, I think that's why, like, it always kind of falls back on the guys that have the experience there. And, you know, you know, Cam mm-hmm. Smith's obviously playing well. Scotty Scheffler's playing probably better than anybody in the world right now. Uh, but like, that's yeah. what's so fascinating about, you know, obviously the masters and just the major as a whole is it, 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 it doesn't always come down to just who's striking the ball the best. There's all, there has to be some experience, right? There has to be, you know, a little bit of, uh, of, uh, imagination with what you want to do, especially around the greens. And, you know, here I go again. That's why, I, that's why I feel like, you know, Tiger <laughs> just has such a good opportunity because of his imagination <laughs> and knowledge of the greens, but you know, it's still going to be fun. I'm going to have low expectations for Eldrick, but, uh, man, you talk about like trading in all of my sports chips to have him in some type of contention come Sunday. Oh my God. I would trade in internet. Won't be able to handle it. Dude. I mean, I don't know if the internet will be able to handle it when he tees off on Thursday. I mean, (laughs) look at the crowds that were out there on Monday, just following him around. It's, it's truly a remarkable place. And, you know, I was telling some, some buddies that are going out there this weekend. It's, it's, almost eerie going out there and you don't have your cell phone. So you kind of just get lost in like the awesomeness that is. And like, it's, it's just like, it's kind of like a, I don't know. It it's as close to like, I guess magic as I will ever believe as far as being able to walk around there and just the, the true appreciation that everybody, like the understanding, I think that everybody has that, you know, whether it's their, 30th time or whether it's your first time you get that little kid feeling being able to walk into the gates and kind of experience, I think what everybody always hopes they they can. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, I guess at the end of the day, as a sappy way of saying it, I think that's why everybody kind of falls in love with sports is because of the unknown and just the appreciation that you have for, you know, something that is out there, I guess. I don't know. It, it's just truly, truly cool. And it's, again, it's like, I, I think that that's why everybody that loves it, uh, you know, truly puts everything that they have into this week. Like it, it, it truly is like a, I don't know, I guess a celebration, if you will, every week or every year that it comes up because you only get it once a year. And I think that, you know, that's kind of the remarkable special thing about it. And, I'm glad that we'll be able to go to PGA here in a couple months up at uh, Southern Hills. But, yes. You know, as much yeah. as, as much as like majors and PGA championships and us opens, and I'd love to go to the open one day, uh, you know, to go do that thing on, on foreign soil. But there's just like, it, it's there, there truly is like an international experience that comes with going to the mate to, uh, to the masters. And I think that, you know, it's obviously something yeah. everybody should do one day. Eddie, before we uh, before we let you go, we have to ask you about yeah. softball. We have to ask yeah. you about softball, yeah. right? A team, you know, contrary I mean, to baseball, that's dominating the sport. But a question we've we've gone back and forth on is now you've gotten to the point with this team where you're not just having expectations for a national championship; you might have expectations for an undefeated national championship, and that creates, I think, a whole different pressure on a team that maybe is undeserved. Are, are you kind of like? in favor of, Hey, let's, let's lose one or two. Let's not add to the pressure of what this needs to be. Winning a national championship is enough where you're like, hell, go for it. Go undefeated. Take all the pressure you need. I mean, does it sound bad if I say, yes, you probably do want to lose a couple. Like it's, 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 and I guess it speaks to just how dominant they are. And we have Nicole Mendez on every Friday and it's just been kind of crazy, like picking her brain as far as like how much like kind of, awe she has for people that were her teammates even a year ago and so yeah I mean I think it's probably unrealistic to think that they could go undefeated but we're also talking about maybe one of the best softball teams that has literally ever been put together like I just I don't know how they're going to lose twice uh, when you're talking about getting to that point of, you know, obviously I think everybody just kind of, it's a given they're going to get to the, in, to the, uh, to the college world series. Yeah. And especially if they can get there and say that they are undefeated, like just hypothetically say that they are, 
you know, and even maybe even to the postseason undefeated. And I don't think that that's going to happen. I mean, Oklahoma State's obviously really good. Texas is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's some really good teams that they're going to have to get through. But, you know, hypothetically say that they do. I think that there will just be so much almost hype and momentum and everything. Like, they're not going to have to leave the state. Uh, once you get to the, to the, to the NCAA tournament, like I, mm-hmm. it, I don't know, but there is so much pressure. And especially when you're talking about Jordy Ball, who obviously it doesn't seem like pressure affects her very much, but it's not just her. Like I, the, the most absurd thing, like with everything that this team has done to date and what are they like 32 and oh now mm-hmm. the ERA thing is just like Hope Troutline would be the number one pitcher on a lot of other teams in the country right now. And I guess arguably she's two or, you know, two or three between her and Nicole May. So uh, it's just like, or one, or I guess two A and two B, if you want to just put Jordy one. So like defensively, I think that that has been, I don't want to say surprising by any means, because I think that like Patty was, talking about, you know, this could be the best off or the best outfield that they've ever had under her. I remember her saying that even before the year began. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like, it truly, like, I think I put it in a thread the other day. Uh, it might've been the uh, day that they came back against Baylor in the seventh inning when they were down one to nothing and the girl drops the fly ball in left field. It's like, it's truly magic what they're doing. It Like this is, I, I just hope that everybody, and I think that Oklahoma fans do, I think that people that follow the softball game certainly do uh, in probably ways that I don't even understand, but I hope that everybody truly appreciates what they are putting together and what they're able to do out on the softball field. Like every time that they you know, go out of town now, they are going to basically be uh, everybody's biggest opponent. And, you know, I, I think that they've been like that for a long time. Uh, and, you know, here over the last couple of years certainly have been like that. But it takes it like each win, I think it's going to just take it another level. And it's going to be kind of interesting to see how they, you know, I, I think Patty would be the first person to tell you she hopes that they lose. Uh, but it's like, you know, I live in reality and it's like, I don't know who's going to beat them. I, yeah. I mean, truly, like, it's just, it's insane to watch them. Uh, and it's not just like, that's the crazy thing. It's not just a couple of them that are, you know, the best of the best of the best of the best. It's, it's all like, of them, man. You get down to the yeah. nine hole and she's hitting three home runs in run rules in which like, it just, <laughs> like, I, it feels like those Yukon teams that went undefeated on the women's side of uh, basketball, but like softball and baseball is so different like from game to game than a basketball game is. And I'm not trying to take anything away from what UConn was able to accomplish with some of those teams, but it's just like, there's going to be a day. And I guess you could say this for basketball. There's going to be a day where you go out and you miss shots and it just doesn't fall for you. But there's going to be days where you would think that, you know, you hit the ball hard and it's just right at people. And they win those games like eight to one. (laughs) It just, it doesn't make any sense to me. So it's like, OU fans are just spoiled with some of the stuff that they've been able to experience. But, you know, you guys know that it's just it, it's just it, it. I can't put into words like nothing surprises me. So if they do run off an undefeated regular season, it's like, yeah, like, I guess <laughs> I like we expected that. But at the same time, it's like I just hope that people truly appreciate what is in front of them. I mean, it is historically uh, an all-time team. And it's just, you know, you obviously got to finish it. You obviously got to get to the end of the season. But right now it's just, they leave me truly in awe sometimes of what they're able to do and just how much, like, I know it sounds bad, but just like how much better they are than everybody. They truly, like, just how much better they are at the sport than they are, than, than everybody else right now, it seems. It is. It is certainly wild. So it's insane. Yeah. Well, if uh, if you're a mainline podcast listener out there and you don't know that Eddie is uh, his work can be found on SoonerScoop.com and 107.7 The Franchise in the mornings. I really don't know what to tell you at this point. Um, you should know that. But um, Eddie, great we, endorsements we really... on Twitter lately. I, I feel real confident about the way <laughs> things are going. 
<laughs> yeah. Eddie, we greatly appreciate you spending an hour with us uh, this evening. Yeah, and, no problem, uh, guys. Anytime. Yeah, we, we can't can't wait to have you on again in the future. So um, that'll do it for us this evening on the Mainline Podcast, and we will see everyone again next week.